0: You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today's message is part of our Adult Sunday School series. Adult Sunday School is taught by a variety of different men in our church. Now let's prepare our hearts as our Sunday School teacher brings forth God's truths from His Word today.
1: Well, good morning. Thank you all for being here. I commend you all for being smart enough to set your clocks ahead and not wake up this morning and go, uh-oh, I'm in trouble. So you're not scrambling. Well, you may have scrambled anyways to get here with everything else. So, um, I want to follow up to what we talked about last week. Um, kind of a little review. So last week we were talking about God's in control. And we started out by asking that big question of why. You know, we as humans often want to know why something happened. We're looking for what the cause is, what the reason is, what the purpose is. In everything that we seem to do, we're always looking for a reason. Good, bad, otherwise. So we're looking for that understanding, and and that's us asking for an explanation. And that's what we often do with God. As things happen in our lives, we're looking for justification. Why did this happen to me? We also talked about last week about God being sovereign. And that he is one possessing or held to possess supreme power. We know God's in control of everything, so that's where our baseline starts. And again, we talked about his sovereignty of God being defined as his absolute right to do all things according to his own good pleasure. So, before we start, let's open up in a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for this morning. We thank you, Lord, for those that are here. Thank you for the teachers. In the other classes, pray, Father, you be with them as you bring forth the word to their classes. Father, pray that you use me this morning. Lord, I've been working on this lesson and for a while, and just pray, Lord, that it comes out as you want it to. We thank you, a lot, Father, for all that you've done in our lives. In your son's name we pray. Amen. So, when we're dealing with a subject like the nature of God, it makes sense, we try to assume using our own human understanding of why things happen. But it's only going to take us so far because there's no way in our puny little minds will ever grasp all that God has there. So a lot of what we have to do is we have to proceed by faith. We talked a lot, about, a lot about that last week in having faith that God's in control of everything that happens in our lives. We can only move forward by trusting in his goodness and his faithfulness. We can do this because he's already persuaded us by his reality and his reliability. This is particularly true with reference to a problem that we can often look at is how do we reconcile what the Bible says about the absolute sovereignty of God with the equally valid scripture teaching that man was endowed with a free will. And that's what we are going to talk about today is about free will and the choices that we make. We don't understand. If God's in control of everything, how can man generally be, genuinely be responsible for our own choices and actions? So again, think of it this way. If God knows what's going to happen and God's in control, then God's in control of the situations and the actions and choices that I'm going to make. But although he knows where things are going to go and he knows how we're going to answer those, we still have to make a decision. And we'll talk about that later on as we go along. So as we study everything in the Bible has to say about divine sovereignty and human free will, what we'll find is we can't explain it all. Again, in our simple minds, there's no way we're going to be able to give you the answer as to everything. One day when we're in heaven and we've got nothing but time on our hands, it might be a question that we ask of the Lord. But yes, God is completely in charge of everything. In Isaiah 46... 9 and 10 says, remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is none else. I am God and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning and from the ancient times, the things that are not yet done saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. Kind of again, follow up to what we talked about last week, that God does everything for his pleasure. That's why we're here. You know, pastors pastor's gone through a number of messages as the reason that we're here on this earth. It's not for us. It's not for us to live our lives. It's for us to bring pleasure to God. And that's if we use that as our mission statement for to say. It will change on how we make our decisions as we go. So the question is, is man answerable for his choices and actions? Well, absolutely we are. Galatians 6:7 says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap it. A very, very standard principle that we all need to live by. To know that whatever we do today will have some results in the future. And it's not knowing what those results are going to be. And that's, we hope that they're in the right direction. But that's what we have to understand. that If we make that decision that's wrong, there will be, there will be we're going to sow it later on or reap it later on. So again, nothing that we haven't heard from here before. If we're going to be faithful to the testimony of Scripture, we have to find a way to acknowledge both God's in control and man's free will. We owe everything to God's grace. It's amazing when we look at all that we have, if we look at how our lives are, we owe it all to God's grace. It's literally by his favor and mercy that you are what you are. You know, we often take for granted how grateful we should be to live in this country. I mean, travel somewhere else. I would imagine that Ben will have some great testimonies. Pastor's been to the Philippines. A number of you have been to there to see that. A number of you have traveled other places. We think we have it bad here. We don't have it bad here. You know, and, but how often do we just take that for granted? You know, but that was God's choice. God's choice for you to be here or even here in this building this morning wasn't really your choice. God had laid a path on how we were going to get there. You know, as, as we often talk about the creation of this church, you know, yeah, there were circumstances that kind of led up to how we got here, but this was in God's plan. Same with your lives. As you look at where you were 10, 15 years ago, and to look at how you got here, I bet you look back and go, I'd have never planned that for my life. I'd have never planned it here. When I had my first real job, I was working at Aeroquip in town, and some circumstances happened that caused me to have to move from that position. And had a gentleman come in and he put his arm on my shoulder and he goes, Phil, I'm going to tell you this. He goes, right now you may think this is the worst time in your life. You know, you're stepping in into an unknown. You're into a place where you're uncertain as to what's going to happen. But he said, "Look look at it this way. God is preparing you for something else. So this is a step that you may not have taken on your own. God is directing you in this direction. And he's right. I would have never left the company that I was at. I liked what I did. I liked the people that I worked with. Of course, that's true of every place I seem to have worked. But that pushed me to take that next step. And that's the same thing that happens in our lives, is that if we look at the steps, if we look at how we move from point A to point B, to point C to point D, and I mentioned it again last week, if I look at where where I am today, I look back to the the events and the, the circumstances and the choices that I made that God directed, and that put me in a position where I am today. I would have never saw myself at this path 20 years ago. And that's, what, and that's often difficult for us to look at because we're making choices based on right now, the here and now. We're looking at where God has put us. We're looking at what's in front of us to make that decision. And we rarely look long-term. You know, that's why I'm in sales. I've been in sales for most of my career. And although I'm not in retail sales or I'm not in in those kind of sales, it's all about the here and now. If you buy now, look what you'll get. Not looking at what's going to happen down the road. Car dealers often get knocked for this because it's, hey, you want this brand-new car right now? If you buy it now, I can do this for you. But if you walk out the door, I can't. It took me a long time to understand that I really don't need them, but they need me. So that if you walk into that point where the hard pressure is there, to go, you know what, I'll think about it. I'll pray about it. We were talking about this with the other day about when pastor comes to you and asks you for something. You know, he's looking for a yes answer. Um... But if you tell him you'll pray about it, you know he cringes a bit. But you know, sorry, it's, I'm giving out your secrets already. So that's how we—that's how we should handle everything. We should be looking for God's direction. And We'll talk about that here in the next couple of weeks. The question is: Are we off the hook? Do we have a free pass to do as we please? If God is in control of everything that we do, are we off off the hook? Are we not accountable for anything that we need to do? Turn to your Bibles to Romans chapter 6. A very, very familiar passage of Scripture 1 through 8. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ were raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father. Even so, we also should walk in the newness of life. For if we have planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, and that henceforth we shall not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Again, a very, very familiar passage that you've heard messages upon messages about that. We are responsible for our own decisions. When we become a child of God, God has freed us from that control of sin. Now if we choose to sin, it's of our own doing. You know, pastor has brought many messages on the nature of man. And the fact before you're saved, that's your nature. You know, we talked about the dog returning to his vomit, or the pig returning to his mire that's where you are without Christ. But with Christ, you have that direction. You have that ability to make that right choice. And you're free from what's there. Because now if you sin, it's a knowledge that you're choosing to sin. So again, how can both statements be true? We don't know, but God does. And we can be sure that he'll explain this to one day when we see him face to face. So let's talk about the first choice. Let's turn to Genesis chapter three. Again, I'm not in deep Bible doctrine. I kind of envy Aaron a bit that he can just take a book and dig into it and bring all the little trinkets out of it. Um, as I kind of mentioned in the last couple of weeks at work, I'm kind of simple-minded. Things work simple for me, so that's why I try to, to make it simple for everyone else. Genesis chapter 3, 1 through 6. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast on the field or of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the, in the day Ye eat thereof, then your eyes will be opened, and ye shall be God as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. So we could say that Eve was led away by Satan. He caused doubts and not disobedience. So we could, we could, in our own minds, again, this is where we have this rationale of justifying what's what, we could have said, well, Eve would have never sinned had it not been for Satan. Had he never come along and put those doubts in her mind, had questioned what God had said, she'd have never sinned. Well, you know, if the dog wouldn't have stopped to smell the roses, he'd have got the rabbit. You know, we can't tell what's there, but we know what's happened. We can't guess what could have, a, a what if, You know what if she'd have done this, what if she wouldn't have done that? We know what she did. And that's where we look in in our lives is that much like Eve, Satan will distort what God says in our minds, and we use that as a justification for making the wrong choice. Again, we talked a little bit about this last week. It comes down to the fact, where's your focus? If we're focused on God, she could have easily challenged Satan by telling him what God had said directly. But she didn't. She focused on what the words that were being told to her and began to rationalize, well, this would be okay. If we notice that Satan never mentions the tree of life or the knowledge of good and evil. He just mentions the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden. And again, that's where, as we make choices in our lives, we don't often look at what the real ramifications will be. We're looking at that here and now. And that's the issue that we want to talk to. In verse 5, I want to go back and say, For God doth know that in, in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. He kept referring them as they were incomplete, they were inadequate. And that's what happens to us today, is that as we look at choices that we make, it's because we often feel like we need something. We need that little bit extra. Um, Anya has been cleaning houses in the Ann Arbor area over the last couple of weeks as part of a new job. So she's been bringing home pictures of these homes. And all of a sudden, it's like, our house doesn't work anymore. We want to knock, now all of a sudden there's talk of knocking a wall out to extend our kitchen. You know, there's talk of now we need to redo a bathroom, which we needed to do anyways, but now we're going to take it another step. You know, all of a sudden, what works for us, now doesn't seem to work for us. And trust me, I'm trying to not be led into that eating of that tree so I don't get myself in financial issues, but Uh, It's funny, you know, you start to look at, or have you ever caught yourself watching some of these home improvement shows on TV? Uh, Exactly, exactly. You know, um, your loving wife is sitting there, she goes, you know, we could do that. You know, if we knocked out this wall, or if we extended the house a little bit, we could make this work. You know, and, man, it just gets you in trouble every time. But it's because... It's that I need more. I want more. I want more. And the more is never enough. But that's the, that's the inadequacy that Satan wants to put in our minds. So that everything that we look at goes, well, we need that. You know, it's your car. You know, we've, we've all been there. You look at your car and you go, God, oh, I'd like a new car. You know, um, Pansy, bought, well, P- yeah, Pansy bought her Navigator last summer and she thought, yep, this is what I want. And she's had issues with this on and on, and I went, you know, we never had issues with the big van. You know. But the big van was my choice, not her choice, and the navigator was her choice, not my choice, but if she wants it, she got it. So um, just, again, how choices are made. So how, how today are we bombarded with the wrong information to come to making a choice? You know, in everything that we do, from buying groceries to walk in, and I mean... Think about it, you look you look at a section and there are a gazillion choices of beans. You know, how do you pick the right ones you want? Sam's Club is, is, is in that realm really bad because they have lots of stuff that you, you really don't need but you really would like to have. You know, and that's where you're bombarded with, oh, I could probably get away with that. That's how credit cards got started, let's be honest. Credit cards were an answer to how I could buy something now and pay for it later and not think of the ramifications of later. And look at where we are as a society in the US. We have more people in credit card debt. I mean, listen to any radio program, you'll hear commercials about consolidating of debt, try to get out of debt. Well, why did we get there in the first place? Because we overextended ourselves to what God has in for us. Let's look at the next choice. Flip over to chapter four. Again, a very, very familiar story Reading verses 1 through 7. And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare her, his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground as an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel as to his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? If thou dost well, shalt thou not be accepted. And if thou dost not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. So here we are, the first family. Now think about this for a a way to bring up your kids. They were almost in kind of a paradise. I mean, Adam and Eve had lived in paradise and got bounced out. But you could say in today's, based on today's world, they were in a paradise. So the kids were homeschooled. Mom and dad did not only know of the Lord, but they knew the Lord. They had a personal, visual time with God. So could you imagine the stories that they would have told of their time in the garden? I mean, when we as parents take our kids through Bible stories, we weren't there, so we're just trying to to recalibrate from what God's Word is. But could you imagine the stories that they would have told of the time they would have spent with the Lord? They had no bad friends, because there was nobody else. You can't blame it on Micah that Micah went to college and brought the kids back some bad news. I'm just picking on you, Micah. But, you know, not that you're a bad friend, just saying. But there's no influence. There's no influence of a friend going, hey, let's not work in the garden today, or hey, let's not work on the fly, let's go down fishing. There was none of that. They had a perfect social structure. It was them and their parents. They had no bad music. So we can't blame the music. There were no video games. So can't blame the video games. There was no social media. So the kids weren't messing with their iPods or iPads or iPhones or whatever during the day to get some bad information. They lived in almost a perfect world. I say almost because we know Satan was still around. They were brought up by godly parents that knew what was required. Both of them were given the same instructions. You know, to worship God, you should do this. So as we read, well, and let's just, let me jump back for a second. Proverbs 22, 6, Pastor mentioned this the other night. Train up a child in the way he should go, and and when he is old, he will not depart from it. I want to stop there just for a second because I struggled with this verse for a long time because that's what we thought we did with our children is we trained them right. We brought them up in the right direction, but yet they made choices outside. Just remember, this really isn't a promise, it's a commitment. And that as much as we prepare our children, as much as we try to protect our children, at the end of the day, they are gonna have to make choices. And all we can hope to do is prepare them to make the right choices. And that's what happened here with Cain and Abel. They both were brought up, they both were trained as to what was needed to worship God. Nowhere do I ever would I ever believe based on the scripture that they would have told Cain hey look bring the first fruits from the, from the ground I just don't know that, that if you read through the rest of scripture you don't see anywhere that, where that's mentioned as, as an acceptable worship to God and the fact that Abel knew what to bring so you gotta believe that the foundation was laid so why the difference well Abel, I believe, was focused on the Lord. So he knew what the requirements were. So when he brought the sacrifice, he brought what God wanted. Cain, on the other hand, we can start to go, here's where man starts to to have his point in it. And again, if we look back in in Scripture, we can see the correlation that prepares us for decisions that we need to make. Why he thought that, well, if I bring my best fruits, my best veggies which again tells you why you shouldn't be a vegetarian, but that's a whole other story. Um, God didn't accept it. Now, why would he have thought that that would have been acceptable? Other than in his own mind? And his own rationale was, well, these are the best of what I do. But that's not what he was brought up with. Nowhere again was he ever told that that was going to be an acceptable offering. And that's where as we make choices, as we decide what's best for us, we often, again, take our focus off of God, of what he wants us to do, and look at what we think is best for us. That if we make this right decision, it's going to help me out right now. Again, it's all about the here and now and not about what's to happen. One followed the godly way, and the other chose man's way. So as we begin to look at our lives, I just want to look at a couple areas to consider with the short time we have left. The most important choice that you're going to make is your salvation. No matter what you do, no matter what decision you make, no decision has more effect on where your eternity will be than what's on your salvation, than what your relationship with God is regarding your salvation. Revelations 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him, and he with me. Again, a choice, an action. I believe that most everyone will have heard the gospel one way or the other. With today's technology, with the way that... Things are out there. I believe that most will always hear the gospel. I may be wrong there, but I think that there is exposure to it. The question is, how will they respond to that knock? And, you know, I'm not the first to say this, but I've heard this a number of times is that some people don't often accept the Lord the first time they hear it. You know, they fight with it. You know, they white knuckle it on the pew to make that step forward. And Hopefully, they do get, prayfully, they get an opportunity to make that decision later on. But God's knocking on the door. He wants to have a relationship with us. He wants us to have that relationship. Does He know if we're going to accept Him or not? Of course He does. But it's still a choice that we have to make. John 1, 12 through 13 says, But as many as receive Him, to them gave He power... To become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of will of the flesh, nor will of man, but of God. There's the opportunity. There's the question. There's the choice that you have to make. Romans ten nine through 10 says, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For the heart of man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth of confession is made salvation. Again, a simple choice, a simple action. People will have a tendency to go, well, there's got to be more to it. Again, why do they think that? It's because Satan's in the back of their head, not wanting them to come to know the Lord. So again, it's a very, very simple scripture, a very, very simple truth, a very, very simple action but yet people struggle with it because it just seems too simple. So I pray that if you have not made that choice today, that you think about it before you leave. Other choice you need to talk about is resisting temptation. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, There hath no temptation taken you but such as common to man, but God is faithful. Who will not suffer you to be tempted? Above that ye are able." But will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it? As we go through life, as those choices come through and we're thinking, oh, there's no one that's ever had this kind of choice that they've ever had to make. Trust me, somebody has. God has. Jesus has. Look for him for direction. Again, holding back, not making a rash decision or a rash choice makes a difference. James one 13 through 13-16 Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God for God cannot be tempted with evil nor tempted by any man but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed then when lust conceived it bringeth forth sin when it is fi- finished it bringeth forth death do not err my beloved brother there's the, and pastors has gone through this so I'm not really going to spend a lot of time on but there's a step there's a progression how do we respond to that progression will make a decision upon how our lives will end up. Galatians 5.16, this, I say then, walk in the spirit, and ye should not fulfill the loss of the flesh. Again, where is your focus? Is your focus on you? Is your focus on the world? Or is your focus on Jesus Christ? If that's where your focus is, on Jesus Christ, it's going to help you be wise in the decisions that you make. So, making right choices. I would like to say that I came up with this by my own, but I, re- I recall this and, and I took this from Pastor White. I found it on one of my old notepads, so this goes back to him. So, nothing new here. So, making right choices. So, here's just some thoughts. Does God already have a clear teaching about this? Joshua 1.8. Does God already have a clear teaching? Before you make a decision, before you need to look through it, Check it out. Check it out against the word. It's already there. The answer for you is already there. What do my spiritual advisors tell me? If not sure, talk to your parents. Talk to your pastor. Ask. Get some input. Again, making rash decisions will often cause more problems. And that's what Satan wants us to do. He wants us to make that quick decision without consulting. And often when we do that, um, to swing back to that for a 2nd i we've gone through a negotiating class a a couple years ago. And one of the things that they teach us in this class, it's all about time. If you are pressured to make a decision quickly, in most cases you make a wrong decision. If a buyer comes to me and says, hey, i got to have your answer by the end of the day, well, I haven't had a chance to really look at it to see if it makes financial sense. So we'll come up with a reason that we need another day or two. You know, all my, you know, I work for a company where the decision makers are in Germany. That buys me at least half a day, or buys me a day. So if you're, not, if you're pressured to make that decision, you're often going to make the wrong one because you don't have all the facts. How will this affect me spiritually? Again, it's looking at the long-term effects, not just the short-term effects. Am I going to get pleasure today, but I'm going to pay for it later on? You can find that in 1 Corinthians 10, 23. How will this affect my family? Will this draw us closer to God or further from God? Again, those of us that are heads of our household, it's not just about us. Decisions that we make, financial decisions that we make, affect not only us but our families. How will that affect them? You need to take that into consideration. And do I have a total peace about this from God? Philippians 4, 7. So I leave you with this question. Have you chose wisely? With the opportunity that you see before you, did you make the right choice? Ethan, close to prayer.